Hi, I'm Otto. Welcome to Ellen Sarah's podcast. Hello, everyone. It is your favorite sister, Erin. Sarah is gallivanting around the world. I don't know if she's on Austria right now. I don't know if she's in Ibiza. I don't know if she's on a horse somewhere, which is probably what she's doing no matter what. But she doesn't have time for me. So I'm doing this intro alone, which honestly feels nice. and makes me wonder if I should do this podcast without her from here on out. Um, okay, today we have Lara Devgan. Sarah continues to say her name wrong, I think. Uh, she is a plastic surgeon, but we do not just talk about plastic surgery. She is also a very successful woman who has six, you heard me right, six children. She talks about how she manages that, being a wife. She also talks about skincare on a budget. Uh, we also find out about my personal favorite, like the secret Hollywood procedures that you don't know uh, 22-year-old hot models are getting. Um, it's all very interesting don't turn it off. It'll be really hurtful. We will see when you've turned it off. We have data that can show us that you stopped listening. We know your name. We know where you live. We don't know where you live, but it'll hurt our feelings. So please don't do that. Um, even if it's playing in the background while you are home. Uh, it's a great episode. Enjoy. Hello, Dr. Devkin. Hello. Hi. Okay. So first of all, when we alerted our um, followers, listeners, listeners, that we were going to be speaking to you, people freaked out. You have created this brand, right, that is so massive and you are a woman. You have six children, which every time I see you- That part's I mean, crazy. I don't, I don't see you, you know, as a patient- Wink, wink. I, we're friends, so I don't. I'm not. Yeah, we're friends. We're we're friends. So I'm willing to say what I've done with you. Aaron is a patient and has had you know gotten shot up all over. But you and I, we we go to the theater. Uh, uh no, Sarah, you've definitely only seen her ever in her office, and there was probably a needle in your face when you spoke to her. No, 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 no. Um, but so anyway, so people were so excited. You are you have really created like this massive brand, as I said before. People trust you. People are obsessed with you. Um, Laura Devgan, you're kind of getting all over the place. Laura oh. Devgan is a uh, plastic surgeon out of New York City. She's very sought after, hard to get into. Very hard to get into. Very popular on Instagram. And people love to follow the before and afters and all the different you know procedures that you do. You went to Yale, which is something that I hope you work into every conversation you have because it's very impressive. <laughs> so... We want to ask you a lot of different questions. And did you want to start off with her telling us about herself first? Yeah. I want to hear a little bit about you and how you have, I mean, I know that's a large question, but yeah, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Well, I am so happy to chat with you guys. This is so fun. And I am really excited to talk about all things beauty, plastic surgery, medical aesthetics, and more. Um, my name is Dr. Lara Devgan, and I'm a plastic surgeon based in New York City. I'm the founder and CEO of my medical grade skincare line, Dr. Devgan. In scientific beauty, which is sold out of Sephora.com, net porte Violet Gray, and more. I am also the mother to six young children. I live with my husband on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I love art and music and um, food and 
all sorts of fun things. And I'm also really passionate about the beauty of tiny little details. And I really think we're at a moment of cultural consciousness where modern beauty means something different than what it used to mean. You know, when I grew up in LA, like you guys did, we all grew up at the same time in LA. um, And plastic surgery used to mean something extremely destabilizing. You know, it used to mean these oppressive beauty standards and um, kind of crazy destabilizing ways that you had to feel. It made you feel insecure and bad about yourself. And now I think of modern beauty as the permission to be your own kind of beautiful on your own terms, whatever that means to you. And not only do I love minimally invasive procedures as well as plastic surgical procedures, but I also like the idea that we can meet people wherever they are and allow them to do whatever they want to do or whatever they don't want to do. It's such a good point. It's like growing up, we didn't know people. I didn't know 16-year-old girls who were getting nose jobs. Like that was not a thing. you did. They just weren't telling you. No, that was not a thing. I mean, it has really, it has really changed the narrative around plastic surgery and the acceptance around it. But I am so fascinated by the fact that every time I see you, okay, you are like the least frazzled, the least stressed person ever. You have such a calm about you. Your energy is just like so you're soft spoken and you have six children. Can you please tell us the ages of your six yes. children? Tell us the ages. Yes. They are two, four, five, seven, seven, and nine. Holy shit. Twins. Twins. She just threw some twins in there. I threw I th- I slipped some twins in there. That is wild. And she's happily married. Yes. I mean, it's just, we talk about, you know, like the common conversation with me and my girlfriends are like, how do you do it? You know, how do you have like one kid and have a job? You are a surgeon with your own practice. Your beauty line has exploded. It's at Sephora. Like you said, it's at Violet Gray. It's all the, all the things, the eyelash serum, which is like a cult favorite. And you have six children. And I've been, I've been with you before where you're like, oh, I sh- I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home a little early because it's like one of them has a play. How do you, how do you balance your life? I mean, that's the question. It's a question. (laughs) I think that balance is this false concept, right? I mean, there's no balance. There, you know, I think no day is totally balanced. I think we get balance a little bit at a time. And I think balance is a lie that we feed to the next generation so that we can feel a little bit better about ourselves. But you don't get balance every single day. You get balance overall over the course of your life. There were times in my life that were totally unbalanced. Like during my surgical residency, it was work, 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 work. And there were times when I was really focused on my kids and bringing up my family. And there were times when I was really focused on my husband. And um, I think that the trick to balance and the trick to having it all is that you can have it all, but not necessarily all at the same time. And, you know, at different times in your life, you prioritize different things. And that's what's worked for me. And I'm sure different people have different approaches, but, you know, there are times when I really went to the gym all the time and other times when, you know, it's been a little while since I've been inside of a gym. Um, Do you feel that like 
do you feel, obviously you're a mother, you know, like, but do you feel that, that thing of like, oh God, like I, I miss this person's, uh, you know, track me and this kid's volleyball thing and this one's sick and I had to leave early. Like, are you just desensitized to that now because you're just, your, your career is just so massive or do you struggle? Like, I know for me, I, it's really hard for me. Like it's, it's hard and I haven't figured it out, but do you, like, you obviously have a very supportive husband who's, you know, who's, who's, you know, who's home also. I mean, he works, he's out of the house, but like, how do do you, do you stress about this or is it just like, it's a well-oiled machine? Yeah, it's hard. And my husband has a big job also. And so we, struggle with that. Um, and we try to make sure that we're there for our kids when they need it. But, um, we make sure that we're there and available when our kids have big events and we carve that out of our schedules. But am I there for every single, you know, drop off and pick up? No, it's definitely not possible. I do not pick up my kids from school every day. I'm at work. And I'm in surgery and I'm at procedures and, of course. you know, and I do miss that, but I think my kids get something out of having a mother who is passionate about something. And while they do lose something from not having me take them to the park and get them an ice cream cone after school every day. And I do feel bad about that sometimes. On the other hand, I think my kids get something out of seeing me care about stuff. You know, they have a mom who's really passionate about something. So they, they see me care about stuff. They see me study for my cases. They see me feel like I'm committed to something. And, you know, I think that means something. I see my kids do stuff that echoes my behavior and it makes me feel so happy. Like they have little projects and they get their own little passion projects. And I can only think that that's because they see me and my husband do that same kind of stuff. Of course. So, okay. I want to dive into some plastic surgery questions because a lot of people had so many questions and I have questions. Like I, so I have you be- want to talk about plastic surgery and I just want to understand how she balances being like a total badass CEO. Well, you can do you can do a mom podcast where you discuss <laughs> how to do it all and this is going to be a plastic surgery podcast. No, because I just have to say what I was thinking really fast is like when you have kids, like kids wake up in the middle of the night, right? They wake up, they're like, oh, my tummy hurts. Like, oh, like I'm scared at a bad dream. It's like, and then I'm up and I can't go back to sleep and then I'm like, oh, great. Now my day is totally fucked because I have to be in this meeting and I have to show up for this and I'm going to be- Yeah, and your meeting started at nine. And I'm not rested. And now I'm not going to be my best. And if you, if one of your six kids comes in or whatever, you, you have surgery, like surgery at 6 a.m. <laughs> at 6 a.m. And you have to be rested. No, totally. The other day, one of my sons came in and he he's not a complainer and he had abdominal pain and it was peri-umbilical, like right around his belly button and pretty severe abdominal pain. And I pressed on his belly button and he basically was giving me the classic abdominal exam for appendicitis. Um, so like rebound, tenderness, guarding, and keep in mind, I did like, you know, general surgery. I did like half of my general surgery residency at Columbia. And, um, so I like did the full appendicitis abdominal exam and I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, don't, I I don't have time to take out an appendix right now. I have like a whole day ahead of me. Um, You're like, I have a tummy tuck. I have eyelid surgery. I have Botox clients. I do not have time for appendicitis. No, I mean, I wasn't literally going to personally do that, but I did have the thought in my mind, like, I don't have time to take out an appendix. And is he, is he okay? 
Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have. A he didn't have it. Video. It's so true. Okay, I'll, I'll do that at three in the morning. I'll be like, I don't have time for this. I have a really big presentation tomorrow. Like, I don't have time for your bad dream. Okay, Aaron is just right. chomping at the. You bit guys to should talk definitely text uh, your mom questions to each other. You should have like a FaceTime. Oh, or but something. we have a lot of listeners who have a lot of who. Yeah, are but really all the questions are really, in- really. Let's get into plastic surgery. Okay, here okay. is the big. I think the overarching macro question. So, full transparency. Okay, here's all the things that I've done. I got a nose job when I was 27, which is late to get a nose job, but honestly thrilled I got it. Uh, that's the only like facial surgery I've ever had. Um, I've gotten fillers and I've gotten Botox. And I've obviously done, I've obviously done like lasers okay, and but, stuff. Okay, but hold on. I have to interrupt you for a second. Okay. Because when you say like fillers, like you were very conservative. Yeah, yeah, I had to force. But you can tell by looking at me, I look I normal. I know, but there's something about like I get fillers. It's just... I get once every two years I go in and try like, you know, I sometimes I've sunken under under my eyes or whatever, like the little things. Anyway, the point is I'm not against all these things, but I do do it very carefully because for me personally, and I think that this is the thing that is changing. I want to look normal. I would rather look old one day than look weird one day. I don't want to look weird. I don't want to look fake. And I, and it used to feel like that was the goal was to look like the best version of your natural self. But now it feels like, a lot of people have a different goal where they like the fake look. And to me, like if I see a plastic surgeon posting stories or videos of a girl with like clearly visibly really fake lips and really, you know, overdone cheeks and all that, I don't, I don't want that look. So I think of it as a negative, but there are some doctors that sort of, they know that there's an audience for that. So to me, the reason why I I went to Laura two, two years ago, two and a half years ago, and I walked in and, and you were like, okay, so can I, can I mark on your face? Like what I would do? And you're like, you know, here, 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 here. There's like nine things I would do when you have time. And I was like, I got time, do it. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, no. When you, cause you're heading to the airport. Like whenever you have time, there's just like nine things I would do. And I was like, no, no, do it now. I want whatever you're going to do. And I just trusted you. Like I've never let anybody put a needle in my lips in my life. Cause I was just like, it always looks fake to me. And I never want to look like I have fake lips. And I let you just sort of like judge me up. And I left the office and I FaceTimed my husband who like a lot of wives have to like lie to their husbands and say they got a facial. And like, you know, the facialist was so aggressive. They got bruised. Which is like so insane. Like facials don't cause bruises. Continue. Husbands don't know that. Uh, Are husbands that stupid? And I FaceTimed Simon and he was like, you have never looked better in your life. You look so beautiful. What did you do? You are stunning. And that was after your hands were on my face. So I know you, you do natural work. My question to you is what is your boundary in a room when you have someone come in that has clearly done too much and looks really fake already and they want more, or you have some 17 year old girl come in and she wants fake lips and she's standing there with her mom. Like what, what's your rule about that? The most important decision that I have to make as a plastic surgeon is when not to intervene. And I think that aesthetic judgment is everything. There's nothing easier than pushing fluid out of the syringe or, you know, making, pressing down with a scalpel blade, you know, operating and intervening and being a cowboy is the easiest thing in the world. Having restraint and having judgment is the, is a thing that's difficult. And in plastic surgery, we have this expression, discretion is the better part of valor. And what that means to me is that holding back and being restrained and having a little bit of judgment um, and being a little bit discreet and subtle 
can be very beautiful. And I think that that's the future of plastic surgery. Doing a little bit less, keeping people a little bit underdone and tolerating minor imperfections in the interest of global facial beauty is really what allows people to look like the best version of themselves. We're really having an epidemic of this grotesque pillow face look. And yes. I'm sure you see it all around you. You know, you can't go to a restaurant in any city in any part of the world without seeing grotesquely overfilled faces and non-anatomic lips and cheeks and you know, jawlines, yes. foreheads. And everyone looks the same. Everyone looks like the same person. But you guys, do we think that these women want that look? Are you telling me? I don't understand. Mo- do, wouldn't a woman want to just look youthful and not like she's overdone? Like you really think certain women, they want to look overdone or they just have bad doctors? I, I think that there's something that's called perception drift, where if you keep seeing the same odd stimulus over and over again, you begin to think that it's normal. So you see it in your social group, you see it on reality TV, you see it in magazines, you see it on social media, and you start to think that that becomes normal. And then you see it on your own face and you get on this hedonic treadmill where like a little bit of lip filler made you happy last time, but then it's been like a few months and you're not happy anymore. And so you want a little bit more, but then that doesn't make you that happy anymore. So you still want to feel happy again. And, you know, and it can be difficult because we've gotten into this situation where it's driven a little by a little bit by the consumer, a little bit by the doctor. It's very difficult to say no to someone. And that's why I was saying a few minutes ago that, you know, discretion is the better part of valor. You have to be able to, in a kind and respectful way, tell someone, you know, I understand what you mean, but I think it can be more beautiful to go in this direction. Take me to that scenario. I come into you. I've gotten too much filler. I have really aggressive fake lips. Everything looks phony. It's badly done. I have a tiny little perky nose job. It's just clearly everything's been overdone. I come to you and I want more. I'm not happy enough. My lips aren't big enough. My cheeks aren't perky enough. Like, what do you say to me? Yeah. I mean, I think what I would say to you is that it, you know, first what I do when I'm meeting a patient is analyze their anatomy with them. So we go through a little facial analysis. So I have the patient like I did with you. I have you hold a mirror and I say, okay, this is what I'm seeing on your face. So I'm seeing that you have a little shelf of filler that's extending beyond the border of the lip. It's giving you a little bit of distortion here. I think it can be helpful for us to dissolve this filler. I think it will not be helpful to add filler here. And I think, you know, and so on. We'll go through a little algorithm of a plan. And I try to give people a, a roadmap for how to get out of that situation. Um, I will say that like attracts like, and there is a bit of selection bias. So I put very subtle restrained work into the world. So people who want that, they don't like me and they're not probably not even coming to see me in the first place. So I don't really have that many conversations that, that sound like that in the first place. Uh. Um, and those are the people who are commenting on my Instagram that it looks the same and that they don't like it. And it, it's stupid because everyone's face is, is, is your billboard. I mean, everyone's face is like you, by the way, your face is your billboard. I, the first time I ever got filler under my eyes, I went to a great doctor in LA, But while I was waiting and I was so nervous because I'd heard all these horror stories about filler and I didn't want to be that person. I just wanted a little under my eyes because I looked gaunt or whatever. And the assistant came in 
and she was taking my, you know, taking all the information down and she had the kind of face that we're talking about. Like she looked fucked up. I was like very terrified and I became like, oh my God, that's what this doctor thinks is okay. So then the doctor came in and I was like, I, I just need to be honest with you. I know we've never met before. I need to be really clear. Do you think that that looks good? <laughs> because right. if you think that looks good, I'm not trying to be rude, but I need to leave. I, 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 I don't want to look like that. I am terrified. And she was like, no, she used to work in a plastic surgeon's office because this woman's not a plastic surgeon. And um, she got a little carried away and, you know, it's going to, it's just going to take time for it to come down, but she's very good at her, you know, administrative job. And the truth is like what you have on your face, what your assistant does, what the front desk girl does and what your patients walk out with, that is evidence of your work, right? Like you can't send someone out in the world with pillow face. Totally. And I think that that's kind of, you know, part of being a plastic surgeon is giving people what they want, but we do have a larger responsibility to the next generation because we're also creating beauty standards for people who are growing up in the world today. And I think that's something that I take seriously. You know, as we were discussing, I'm the mother to six young children and I want them to inherit a world where they don't feel like they're going to be dysmorphic about their own features and hate their own faces. Yes. You know, the re- the way I found out about you was, you know, years ago, I was referencing like a couple New York women that I know. And I was referencing them in the way of like, oh my God, so-and-so looks so incredible for her age. She's like 45. She looks like she's, she's how, what are those genes? And someone goes, they're not jeans. They're Lara Devkin. Like, what are you talking about? I was like, who's Lara Devkin? Like, what do you mean? And then this woman was like, oh yeah, she also sees so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And so I was like, wait, what? Those girls do work? I thought that they just looked, and of course you have to have like a little bit of, you know, your own, your own stuff. But the consensus around you is like, she just brings out everyone's best and it is subtle, but it just is so natural. So of course I stalked you and the rest is history. But it is an issue. I mean, like you're saying, Laura, like you have six kids. Sarah has two daughters. I watched Sarah's daughter, Valentina, who's 10 years old because she uses TikTok and like, you know, goes on these accounts and uses filters. She then looks at herself. She goes, oh, my lips are so gross. They're so tiny. I hate my freckles. Oh, my nose is so wide. Like, I don't think I ever well, she say my, that. She, she's never, she doesn't say my nose is so wide, but she did say to me, and I, I want to talk about this because she did say to me, oh my gosh, mom, I, I have no lips. And I literally like every bone in my body just started because I know where it's coming from. Yeah. And it just, it, it's, we have created this completely unattainable, like wh- wh- where's the line, right? Because to your point, like we said earlier, things have changed and we are now, there is this new normal. Everyone has big lips. Everybody has like- No these, wrinkles. No wrinkles. Everybody has um, no waist and a huge ass. Like it's this look and it's this thing that people are doing and young girls don't understand. Like they just go like, well, why wasn't I born that way? And I'm like, well, those girls weren't born that way either. Um, I don't know what my question is in that. And I understand it's a complicated discussion, but. It's such a complicated question. I don't have a good answer to it. And, you know, I want my kids to grow up feeling like they're perfect exactly as they are. And that, and they are truly, you know, all our kids are perfect exactly as they are and they don't need to do anything. And you never want your kids to feel less than for any reason. Um, but yet, I do appreciate the idea that if there's 
a child who's at an appropriate age who has a concern and there's a way to, in a safe and medically responsible manner, address it, you know, I can imagine helping my child address a problem at, you know, at, it's dependent on the kid. It's dependent on the problem. It's dependent on how invasive the intervention is. It really depends on the age and stage in life. But I can imagine a scenario where I would support my child in going through something like that. Just because I've seen in my life and my work how doing something like that can really allow someone to put an insecurity that's very destabilizing past them. Like really people can have something that they're thinking about every single minute of every single day and just table it and move past it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and listen, we're, we're just, we can't begin to take on the state of the world where like the standard of beauty now that's like outside of all of our hands at this point, right? Like it's there, it's happening. Young girls are being exposed to like a whole other look early on and we can only help but just to your point support them I guess if Valentino like had like really crazy ears that stuck out right like I don't know like, that used to be a big insecurity of yours it was a very big Sarah insecurity. wanted to pin her ears back when she was in fifth grade uh, no because I have these like little ears but they're like they're like elf you know it, but I agree it's been an insecurity my entire life I it's weird that I even wear ponytails because I hate my ears and I talked about it a lot as a kid, but like, I don't think it occurred to my mom, like, oh, let's take you to the doctor at like 14 But I years understand old. what Laura's saying. If there's one thing that's really being obsessed over for a kid, um, and we're not talking about a kid, like a 10 year old or whatever, getting to the yeah, age. Yeah, let's not say kid. Getting, what do we say? Like six. Getting to the age where it's appropriate. Old teenager. Like when I really wanted to get my nose done, I had never had plastic surgery. So I was nervous that it would be some slippery slope and I'd become addicted to plastic surgery. And obviously that did not happen. I got my nose done and then I honestly felt better. And I didn't think about it and touch my face for grown, 10 years. You were a grown woman. That's- yeah, but still, it doesn't matter. All right. Well, I love talking about function of beauty. Do you love talking about function of beauty as much as I like talking about function of beauty? I like talking about it um, with other people, not with you. Okay. Function of beauty is a very, very cool company. Okay. It's great for a million different reasons. Let me just make it really clear what it is. You go online, you fill out a whole like questionnaire about what exactly you need for your hair. Like I have curly hair, dry hair, thin hair. Can I simplify this? You go on, you take a quiz, you, you mention your hair type, and then you put in your hair goals. It's very simple. It's exactly what I said. Then they cater to exactly what you need and they create a specific concoction of exactly what you need. And then you can choose to put a dye in it to make it a beautiful color or a scent. You can choose like a strong scent, a light scent, a mild scent, a medium scent. And you can choose to have, I mean, first of all, it has no parabens. It has none of the bad stuff in it. Um, and it's just amazing. At the end of the day, hair is complicated. And all, all these shampoos, it's like, oh, for fine hair for oily hair, for moisturizing, for thickening. I need all that shit. I need all of it because I got a lot of problems. I have way more than just one problem with me. I agree. I agree of way more than one problem. You don't need to turn on me. You don't need to turn on me doing the ads. But anyways, we love Function of Beauty. Never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash foster to take the quiz and save, here we go, guys, 20% on your first order. That's a lot. That applies to the full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. So functionofbeauty.com slash foster to let them know that we sent you. Please give us credit, functionofbeauty.com slash foster. 
Um, okay. I am personally very into athletic greens because I do not believe that it is healthy to wake up in the morning. And the first thing that you put in your body is acidic coffee oh. that just lines your stomach with acid and sends you down the wrong path all day long. So, you know, I've quit coffee because of that. And now I've been using athletic greens as the first thing that I put in my body in the morning because it is filled with all these beneficial supplements, greens that help you with the digestion and energy. And it's just very simple and it tastes really good. And I really, really like it. I put in a little glass of water. So I do one scoop of it in the morning and it has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and so many other things. Most importantly though, you know, I'm obsessed with adaptogens and Athletic Greens has adaptogens like ashwagandha, you know I'm obsessed with that, and rhodiola, which helps with stress and anxiety. And you guys, this stuff really, truly works. So it's kind of like, why wouldn't you start your day putting something that is beneficial to your body instead of something that is depleting you, dehydrating you, and like acidifying? Or start your day, give yourself all those nutrients, which is great, and then have your coffee and feel less guilty because you've just consumed like all those nutrients, by the way. If you buy this with our discount, which Aaron will give you, guess what you get for free? Vitamin oh, D supplement. Vitamin D, Sarah's <laughs> greatest passion. If you guys listen to our podcast, which I hope you do, uh, then you've heard about Sarah's deep, deep passion for vitamin D. It's a, it's really her mission in life is to make sure everybody takes I want nobody D. to be as deficient as I am in vitamin D. Okay, so I really highly recommend this one. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash foster, and they will give you that free vitamin D and five free travel packets, which is good because when you go to town, you got you to gotta have those with you, right? Okay, let's get into some other important questions. I want to understand this, and I'm sure you get a lot of questions about this, the like the the non-surgical nose jobs and contouring that Amazing. happens with injections. Explain how this works. It's it's so confusing because it's like you inject, but then the nose looks smaller. Wait, wait. Okay. And before you answer that, would you also say that people should look into that route before doing the surgical route? And then I think it's also important to say that it is a very complex thing. Do not let a freaking nurse, like a one, doctor one, needs one to question perform time. this. One okay, sorry. Time. I know that was three questions. In okay. <laughs> it's a big topic. Um, so non-surgical rhinoplasty is one of my very favorite non-surgical procedures to perform. And um, so this is a very beautiful and complex procedure where we use injectable filler as if it were a surgical cartilage graft. And um, what I'm doing with this procedure is using filler to change the structural contour of the nose. So you can think of it almost like reshaping the pyramid of the bony structure of the nose. So think of a tent. If you change the way the poles of the tent are shaped, you can change the way the canvas is redraped over the tent. It doesn't mean you're changing the canvas of the tent, but you can kind of change the way the canvas hangs. So in a surgical rhinoplasty, we often use cartilage graft 
to make the tip appear more refined, to change the angle of the nose, to make the nose look straighter. And we're basically with this technique using injectable filler in a surgical manner. So this is something that I have been working on for my whole career so far. And I've done over 12,000 cases. It's been one of my great joys and um, kind of pieces of work that I've been working on. And it's a very cool technique. It's very hard to explain, but I've done a lot of research on this topic and there are lots of examples on my Instagram. Um, I will say, it's highly complex and not a simple procedure. So although I do it in 10 seconds in a time-lapse video, it's a little bit more than that. So just, you know, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> and I will say I've had friends who have had consultations here in LA for something like this. And they have said like, oh, have you heard of Dr. Devkan in New York? Because you should go to her. It's a very complex. This is not like the person that's doing your Botox and filler should not be doing your, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Filler nose job? What do you call it? Non-invasive, non-invasive, non-surgical, surgical. Yeah, non-surgical yeah. rhinoplasty yeah. or, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So is it a permanent solution? It is not permanent. So non-surgical rhinoplasty can last months to years. Most people will maintain it around six months. Um, the filler will gradually fade away and it can be built upon to get a progressively longer and longer result. As new generations of filler come to market and get FDA approved, I think in our lifetimes, I'm gonna be able to offer this procedure and have it last many, many years, but um, that will be really game-changing and very cool. There are still some kinds of noses that can only benefit from surgery. So surgery is not going anywhere. If you have a wide nose or a bulbous tip or you have functional breathing problems or your nose is just simply too large for your face, you know, some people will always need surgery. But if you have a dorsal hump or bump on your nose, a slightly downward pointing nasal tip, you desire a little bit more refinement of the nasal tip, um, you want a little bit more lift, you want balancing of your profile. Those are all situations where you may be a candidate for this procedure. Mm. It really is fascinating, but it is so true. You think about like that it's adding, but it really is just totally reshaping. Mm-hmm. You should have really, looked into doing that. Honestly, I, I could have benefited from it because my nose, it was like, I had very like a very beaky nose. It was like strong, kind of like slightly, you know, humpy at the top, but really, really skinny. So it was just like very like a little harsh. I bet you I could have filled in the sides what's, and it probably would have bothered what's crazy too me. is what happened. Your lips, something happened in her procedure where it made, cause you, yes. Okay. She put a little bit of lip filler on your lip two years ago, but before that you had yeah, never done anything, now. but whatever you did with your nose, it did, it made her top lip look so much better. What happened was, well, you'll probably understand. Let, let her tell you. Well, but let me tell did. you what my experience was. And then you can say what it was medically, which is that he like tightened at the bottom of my nose in a way that when I smile now after my nose job, my upper lip looks a lot bigger because when I smile, it like flattens out where it used to be skinny and it looked like my lips got bigger after my nose job, but they never did. But my smile used to be skinny and now it's like my upper lip is flat because it's like tighter here. Does that make sense? She's not buying it. Yeah. Well, maybe he divided the depressor nasi septi muscle or made some adjustments to your upper lip elevators. Whatever he did, thank you, because it gave me a, a little lip help and a nose help at the same time. 
Okay, a lot of people, you know, there are people, and I know different ages all over the map, but a lot of people wanted to know what is the age where you should start? And I know it's so, everyone has a different face and we should talk about that. It's not a one size fits all. Like one person who should be doing like a tight, an Ulthera treatment, right? Like, like I should never do an Ulthera treatment, but somebody with like an Italian woman with like thicker skin who can handle it maybe should be doing it. A lot of people want to know what is the age where you should start considering preventative Botox? I think when you have the skin that you'd like to maintain, that's an appropriate time to think about Botox. And, um, you know, I started doing Botox when I was 27. I think when you begin to see wrinkles when your face is in repose or at rest, then that's when you need to start thinking about Botox. So for a lot of people, that's in somewhere in the late 20s to early to mid 30s. Um, But take a look at your face when you're not making any expressions. And if you see fine lines, then you may consider Botox. And you really think it is preventative, right? Yeah. The face is like a piece of paper. If you fold it a million times, you're going to start seeing etched lines. And if you prevent or reduce the amount of folding, you're not going to get those lines. But like, you know, and you and I have talked about this before, but Botox is not just like a one size fits all for everybody, right? Like you've looked at me before and you're like, Sarah, your brow is so low that you have to be so careful, right? Because Botox will make my eyebrows go into my my mouth, basically, right? Like, yeah, totally. Botox is like the dimmer on a light switch. You, it is the biggest myth that Botox is all about freezing the face. You do not have to be like lights on or lights off. You can be anywhere in between, just like the dimmer on a light switch. So I think the worst misconception about Botox is that it's about freezing your face. The best and most beautiful way to use Botox is very subtly. So the ideal Botox result is to give you movement and skin like a teenager, where you have nice, beautiful skin quality, but you can still have natural movement. I mean, my favorite way to use Botox is when you put it in my skin. Can you please tell everybody? Because I've posted about it before and people are like, what is that treatment? And Wait, I don't think you're making sense. It always goes in your skin. But oh, you're saying- sorry. Topically. When you when you do- Oh, yeah. The gold microinfusion. Yes. Micro damping. It's sorry. Cool but it's damping. Statement. Exactly. Tell, <laughs> like, I think yes. it always goes in your So skin. basically the gold microinfusion microneedling treatment is where we use um, a sterile single use device. And in that device, we put a cocktail of Botox, hyaluronic and platelet rich plasma or PRP, which is a blood product derivative. And we stamp it 500 microns deep into the dermis or the skin. And it gives you a really glowy, beautiful glass skin kind of look. And it just tightens your pores and makes your skin look really pretty. It without a doubt has changed. Like when I go do that with you, I'm good for like five months. I wear no makeup, my skin, my pores are good. Everything is like tight. It really makes a difference. And I feel it for like a good five, six months after you've done it. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Laura? You know, a lot of people had questions about skincare, not just actual like facial changes, but really about skincare. So as someone who sees a lot of different types of skin, I'm sure there's obvious things like alcohol and smoking. But what would you say that a person should avoid or lean into to, to tr- sort of bring the best out in their skin? So, you know, besides some of the obvious stuff that you mentioned, I think that 
Some of the things that people don't really think about are just the additive effects of daily little life choices. So, you know, if you can be on a medical grade skincare regimen that includes hyaluronic, vitamin C, B, ferulic, retinol, bacuchiol, some peptide-based eye cream, those are some very basic medical grade ingredients. The skin is an organ, so you want to treat it with real ingredients that have some clinical efficacy. Um, aside from that, try to sleep on your back. I know it's so fun no. to bury your face in your pillow. I'm a stomach sleeper. I'll never not be. It's so bad though, because like you're getting positional wrinkles. You're literally smashing your face in your pillow and etching lines into your face for a third of your life. Okay. But what so about, so um, does, does a silk eye mask help? Cause I sleep with a silk eye mask. A silk eye mask can be nice, but there's some suggestion that it can impair your eyelash growth because you have rapid eye movement during sleep. And so there are some people who argue that it can make you lose your lashes. Oh, well, okay. I barely even Guys, have any eyelashes to start how with. How am I supposed to sleep on my back? I cannot do it. I can't like, do it either. What is worse, that I am up all night and don't sleep or I get like a good eight hours, but my face is like smushed in a pillow? Like uh, how- You have to make a pillow fort all around you. Mm -hmm. what, is, what, what do you a mean? Pillow fort. Oh, like I need to cut like a hole out? Also, I have seen well, I need her to answer eye this. masks that are like cupped over your eyes. So I need one of That's those. That's better. Erin okay. sleeps or she used to sleep with silicone patches on her face. I think it's bullshit. I tried it. Didn't do anything Let's for talk me, about it. But let's talk about it. I love them. I think it is total bullshit. I don't know. I don't know if the data supports that. Okay, but but okay, let's just let's talk this Thank out. Thank you. Let's talk this out. I so, love being right. It feels so well, good. You're not right yet. Hold on. Me and the doctor. Okay. So if at night the issue is that you're creating all these wrinkles in your face because you're smushing your face. And I, if I go to sleep at night with a silicone patch around my eyes for my crow's feet, a silicone patch in the middle of my forehead where I get like a you know crease or whatever, let, they make neck ones, chest ones, like smile line. So let's say you cover your face in those things. You're not making wrinkles at night. It flattens your face out. Mm -hmm. So doesn't that help? No. Maybe. But isn't that solving the problem? But you're probably not animating while you're sleeping. Right. But it prevents your face from being able, like whenever I wear them and I look in the mirror when I first wake up in the morning, it's like my face looks untouched versus the, mor the mornings that I wake up and I've just like smushed my face around and you have yeah. like- You know, there is, a we do use silicone sheeting to help wounds heal flat and it helps the epithelial cells reorganize for healing wounds. So there is some data to support that. So, you know- I don't think it's going to harm you. So if you like it, I think that if that's it's working very for cool. you, Aaron, and you, then you just keep doing it. Great, but it doesn't do anything. Okay, so what do we say to people? Because look, not everybody can afford to come see you, right? Not everybody can afford to go to a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon to do these treatments. Like, would you say? like investing in skincare is just what you should focus on or what is like an affordable way? Nobody wants to look old, right? Nobody wants to look old. So what- If we, you're on a tight budget, what do you do? If you're on a tight budget, what do you do? Do you save up for this like one specific treatment or do you, what do you do? You can also, you, there are also things that are inexpensive or even free that you can do. Um, we talked a little bit about sleeping on your back. You can try to you can try to focus on 
staying well hydrated, using an SPF, avoiding sun exposure. So you want to try to not be in direct sunlight from the, in the, during the highest sun exposure times of day from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., wearing a wide-brimmed hat, wearing big sunglasses, you know, things like that add up over the course of your life. Um, I think if you're going to make the decision to take the plunge and do a medical aesthetic treatment like Botox or filler or a plastic surgical procedure like a facelift or breast augmentation, eyelid surgery, rhinoplasty, whatever the stuff that we're talking about, sometimes the low cost option can actually end up being more expensive because the reality is if you have a problem with a procedure because you're making a decision that is intended to save you money in the short run and you run into a problem, it may require revision operations that can end up being more costly. So I would say that the reality is if you're making a big medical decision it's more important to save up and spend your money wisely on quality rather than price. Um, but in terms of some of the short-term stuff that's less invasive, I think focus on skincare rather than um, some of the um, kind of luxury drugstore type of brands. Um, mm -hmm. It's so funny, like route. in your 20s, you know, you hear even like, you know, 17, 18, 19, early 20s, you know, you get told like, what's the best anti-aging secret? Stay out of the sun, wear your sunscreen. And you're like, oh, shut up. Like, don't give me that. Like, tell me really, like, what can I really be doing to look younger? It's like, you don't want to hear it because you don't get it when you're younger. But guys, it is the sun ages the shit out of you. If you look at Women in their 50s and 60s who have been sun worshippers their whole life, they are wrinkly. Okay, yes, some certain skin types can handle it, say, right? Honestly, like, that, I feel like that's worse for white skin is the truth. Like we age the actual worst. Like people with beautiful olive colored skin, they, they, they can handle the sun so much better. Yes, of course, different skin types. I mean, I'll let you answer this. But it re the point is, it really is true. Starting with sunscreen at a young age, like makes such a difference. Yeah. And I think if you're trying to totally triage the absolute most essential cost-effective stuff, I would say in your 20s is going to be vitamin C and retinol and SPF. Kind of getting into your 30s, Botox and filler and lasers. Kind of getting beyond that, you start thinking about quality surgical interventions and you know, really daily habits at every step of the way. Okay, guys. Okay. We're going to talk about something called Azuna Fresh. Now, we all know I am very all about that clean, living, non-toxic life. Now, I don't know about uh, you, Sarah, because sometimes I wonder if you're human. I don't know what monsters breathe, but most people breathe oxygen, air, mm -hmm. And air is very important to life. You can't live without it, right? I mean, I have to breathe all the time. I am not comfortable breathing in all the toxic things that are offered to me for my home. People don't realize how toxic it is when you use products in the bathroom that like, you know, you spray uh, like, um, you know, anti-odor spray or whatever. And it's like you're breathing chemicals, like those little things that you put in the plug in a wall. Do you know how toxic 
toxic those do you know how toxic the little trees are that you hang from your car that stuff is very bad for you if you smell like a deep scent of vanilla or whatever like just so you guys know you're just breathing chemicals toxic toxic there are a lot of areas in the home that could could deal with a little bit of a of an odor makeover whether you have dogs or pets or your fridge or like dogs dogs are pets just to be clear right i meant it's not dogs yes i understand i meant like dogs or other pets maybe you have a rabbit maybe you have Okay. So the point is, is that Azuna Fresh is the first company I've ever heard of that is completely all natural odor eliminators and it naturally fights mold, mildew, fungus, bacteria, all the things that Sarah has in her house. It doesn't just mask the smell of the odor. It literally just eliminates the odor. And it's very simple. So it's these little jars. You just open up the little jar and it's got this like cream inside and you just let it sit open. You don't have to do anything. It's not electric. There's nothing complicated about it. You just leave it sitting out. You really got to hope that nobody reaches in there thinking it's hand. For you, it would be great in like where you keep your shoes. Great this that I have like smelly shoes. <laughs> Honestly though, funny you say that because Simon plays basketball three times a week and there's an area of the bedroom where his basketball pl- clothes oh. go and it is not recommended to go over there. Well, your Azuna Fresh could change all of that. I agree. So I'm really into this stuff. I've been using it the last month in my house and I'm very, very into it. You leave, you can put it in a bathroom, just leave it sitting open just in case some disgusting person comes well, in. It should just and- be always in the bathroom. That should just always be there. So Azuna Fresh will make a difference in your home. Right now we have a deal. This is good. Guys, listen, I know it sounds like I'm doing addy kind of language, but really listen, 20% off your first purchase. I really think you guys should try this. If you have children and you care about their health and well-being, please buy one of these and get rid of those like nasty ones you have plugged into your house. Okay. Azunafresh.com. That is A-Z-U-N-A-F-R-E-S-H.com today and use the promo code FOSTER. FOSTER, 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 20% off. Okay azunafresh.com. So Aaron and I are here to talk about modern fertility. So fertility is something that we are both very passionate about. Aaron has educated me deeply in this area. We've done podcast episodes about it. We feel that it's one of the most important things that is not talked about Mm -hmm. enough. And it's what, you know, most women are thinking about talking about. And the greatest gift is having information most women don't know if they're going to have fertility issues. They are like, Should I freeze my yeah. eggs? Should, what do I do? Do I need to start getting, trying to get pregnant now? Do I need to do IVF? Like it's very confusing and women are starting to pay attention to it earlier and earlier. So the thing I love about modern fertility is that it's an at home fertility test that you can take for yourself and it's going to help you detect if there are any issues with your egg count or, you know, help you decide on your reproductive timeline and maybe even like the possible outcome for egg freezing or IVF. Cause you can kind of tell from a lot of different factors, if you're a good candidate, a little at home fingerprint can detect all of that. It's just, if you can do it on your own and then they obviously have people available once you get your results to talk to you about your results so that you understand them. Cause someone could say like, Oh, your FSH is a, you know, 22. And you're like, what does that mean? So somebody's going to talk to you about what that means. By the way, even if you're not looking into egg freezing or any of those things, check those hormones, ladies. Sometimes you've got a low sex drive. Sometimes you've got a high sex drive. Like you got, you want to know. You can basically get the same information for modern fertility for $159 compared to what you get going to a doctor's office and it being $1,000, you know. So we are huge proponents of owning your health, 
gathering all the information possible. And we love what this company stands for. Um, exactly. So Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off of the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash foster. That means that your test is going to cost $139 instead of the several hundred or even a thousand plus dollars that it would cost you at a doctor's office. So get 20% off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash foster. That's modernfertility.com slash foster. Okay, I want to talk about boobs for a second. You do, oh, do like you, when I'm leaving? Yeah, sorry. You do boob, do you do boob surgery? Breast augmentation? Yes. You do. Because um, I always think about you as like, you know, the, the, the best face person. So I think about, I think about fake boobs all the time in that I've gone through different phases in my life where um, I'm either a little heavier and my boobs are really full and big, but like my waist is also big, or I'm like really skinny and my boobs are really empty as if I like breastfed. And I can't, and I have a hard time finding that balance. So I've just decided to be bigger with big full boobs. Um, but I always want to know, you know, you, you always, you can look at boob jobs and you see the like, really silicone looking breasts, the really hard, the really high up, the really like stuck on someone's body. And then you see those like really soft teardrop, like just juicy, natural looking breast. So is the difference between those two looks always the doctor and what kind of implant they're putting in? Or is the person's body a huge factor in how it's going to end up looking? I think with breast augmentation, you can absolutely achieve a beautiful, natural-looking, teardrop-shaped result with surgical technique. If you're seeing someone that has that really hard, stuck-on look, like something about Mary, like that kind of look, like Magda, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that is capsular contracture, which is a pathologic situation that is when the body forms internal abnormal scar tissue around a breast implant. And that's not a common situation. It's usually related to a person's unique situation. And that's not, that's not a normal expectation with breast augmentation. So also, would you should say, we cover the fact guys well, that you can lose all sense in your nipples who I will not say who did my surgery, but I did get my boobs done. I breastfed my daughter for two and a half years. My boobs were like empty pancakes. It like, it wasn't like, you know, I'd never even cared. I was always flat chested. I never cared. I did it. And he went through the nipple and now you could like take a jackhammer to my nipples. I wasn't done with my question. But and wait, what happened to your breasts? Like I have no feeling in my nipples. Oh no. I know. Sorry. Do you go through the nipple or you go under the armpit or? Yeah. So I typically will go in the inframammary fold. I think it's not ideal to go around the nipple for several reasons. First, you can lose a little bit of sensation in the nipple as you're describing. Second, the nipples are actually considered contaminated because you have to transect the milk ducts. Um, because, and milk ducts are not, not completely clean in the medical sense because they carry milk. And um, third, you can have a little bit of a lower risk of capsular contracture if you go under the breast. Um, so those are my reasons for preferring the inframammary fold or a little incision underneath the breast itself. So why so do, do they you, go through the nipple? I mean, some surgeons do that. It's, it's not it, it's not an unacceptable approach and intelligent people disagree on the topic, but that's my preference. 
So do you prefer saline over silicone or vice versa? Um, I think both types of implants are acceptable. About 95% of the patients in my practice use silicone implants because they look and feel more like a natural breast. Um, the modern generation of implants um, that most people in my practice use are um, very uh, squishy and they're called highly cohesive silicone gel implants. They're sometimes referred to as gummy bear implants um, because even if you cut them in half, they won't leak or leach. Mm. And so what do you think, like, how do you know if you're a good candidate or when do you choose to give someone a fat transfer breast augmentation? That's where, um, if people don't know what that is, um, you take fat from a different part of the body and then you put it in your, in your breast. Like how does that work and how long does it last? And when, when are you right for that versus implants? Fat transfer can be a nice option if you have, um, breasts that are not droopy and you have a sufficient amount of donor site, meaning you have enough extra fat somewhere else on your body, um, that we can borrow from. And you have realistic expectations about what you'd like to achieve. So, you know, fat does not hold its shape. It's more like a buttery consistency. So it's not going to give the same degree of firmness necessarily as an implant, but it can be perfect for someone who desires a relatively small to medium result. If someone's looking for a very large result, fat transfer is probably not the right answer. But if you're petite and you want a small improvement and you have a sufficient amount of donor fat, you can probably have a nice improvement. What's so funny is like, you know, it's like plastic surgery to what we were speaking on earlier. It really is not like a one size fits all. Like not everybody can handle certain lasers. Not everybody can whatever. And when I went in because I wanted to get my boobs done, I brought a picture of like a model and I was like, these are what I want. And the doctor was like, you'll never those will never be your boobs. Like there's literally nothing I can do to make those your boobs. It's like, well, I don't, why not? Like, why, why, why can't they look exactly like this? And he's like, I would have to break your rib cage. Like, that's not how, that's not how your body is. You, you have, it's, you're very wide. Your rib cage is very wide. Your, your breasts are fall apart. You know, they're, they're, they're not close to each other or whatever, whatever. Like, I think it's a misconception that you can just take in these pictures of these models or of these people and then walk out looking like that person. Like it's impossible. Absolutely. It's kind of, plastic surgery is all about where you're starting and where you're ending up. And that, you know, it's, it's, it's medicine and it's not magic. And if you think of plastic surgery as a shortfall from perfection, you will never be happy. You have to think of it as an improvement over baseline. And that is a very, that's a very key, important takeaway message. And, you know, it's, Plastic surgery is a renovation project. It's not a brand new build. So you're starting with the building and you're using the same bricks and rearranging those bricks. And that's why it's so important to talk to someone who has a skill set to give you several different options because everything is bespoke. Everything is customized. Put your pictures of Irina Shake and leave them at home. Like you're not gonna, please do not. (laughs) Unless you're her sister. Unless, right. And you want to look just like your sister. Do you feel like you wish there was more, like, you probably don't have an opinion on this, but maybe you do. When you see all these girls, you know, on social media, celebrities in interviews, where it's very clear they 
look very different than the face they were given or the body they were given, right? They have totally new faces. They have these cat eyes. They have the nose, the lips, the whole thing. And they're like, what? Like, no, I just grew up. Like, do you go like, come on. Like, do you wish there was more transparency with people in plastic surgery? Or like, what's your thought on that? I'm of two minds because, you know, I understand and appreciate how difficult it can be for celebrities to be in the public eye. I think I truly appreciate in a different way than I used to now having gotten to know some different people over time that the public can be very cruel to celebrities and people are very mean, surprisingly mean to them. And I I would never put myself in that position if I, and I truly don't know how, how celebrities, and I don't know how you guys do it, like the trolls, the mean comments, it, it's very cruel. And there is a lot of ugliness that goes along with fame that I don't think the general public appreciates. And I think that's something that needs to be said right off the bat. So anybody who's a public figure or celebrity, I don't require or request that they say what they do because they are subject to a level of public scrutiny that is totally out of bounds and that mere mortals would really wither under the pressure of. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. And they're insecure just like anybody else. 100%. I think... For at least for Aaron and I, we really try to stay on the side of not perpetuating that unrealistic thing, right? We don't judge you if you want to do things. We've done things like, but we try to be like when people write me going, oh my God, how do your boobs look like that you have two kids? I go, because they're fake. Or when people write me, go, you have the best skin ever. I go, this is triple filtered. Like we try not to perpetuate that. I've always been that way. You guys are special. You guys are different and you guys you guys just nip it in the bud and right out of the gate, that's like part of who you are. And that's, you know, we all love that about you. And that's very unique. So anyway, so I'm of two minds. So I started to say like, so celebrities have it a little rougher than people realize. But on the other hand, yes, of course, I find it a little frustrating. (laughs) Like I've definitely, I definitely have had the experience of reading a magazine and reading a celebrity say, I've never had Botox and thinking to myself, I have literally put Botox <laughs> in your face. <laughs> um, so of course, I think it would be helpful for people to understand that, no, they don't wake up looking that perfect. And a lot goes into that. And I just, it's yeah, not but I a like realistic it. When 50 year old women are like, I just, you know, take care of myself and I hydrate. It's like, come on. Like, don't, you're just like making other women feel like shit. I agree. I think if you, if you're putting it on display. Yeah. Then Your beauty on you, display. Yeah. Then you do have a responsibility to be a little bit more honest, I think, um, so that you don't perpetuate. You know, we are living in a time with a generation that has like the highest suicide rate of any generation before. And it's really scary how hard it is for girls and how hard we are on ourselves. And we're all talking about sort of healthy amounts of uh, correction and like you said, renovations that you're doing yourself. But the way that it like sends the wrong message when you lie about it, I do think that it can be really hurtful to a generation of girls that, that, that think it's real and just don't understand what's wrong with them that they don't look like that. And, and it just kind of breaks my heart to see the, the gap between information and how in your face 
the the visibility of the the alterations are. Okay. I do love to cook. The pandemic was great for learning how to cook and getting better at it because there was nothing else to do. That being said, sometimes you don't want to cook and you also don't want to order takeout. It's annoying. I'm in the middle of a sentence here. So what I want to do is I want to be able to have ready and available organic flatbreads, smoothies, harvest bowls, a million delicious things that are healthy available sitting in my freezer, ready to get put on the stove. Now I am not a microwave person. So I like recently I did their like sweet potato uh, rice bowl, something like that, and took it out of the freezer, tossed it into a pan with like two tablespoons of water and heated it up. And it was as if I'd made myself a home cooked, delicious meal. They never use preservatives or added sugars or artificial anything because they're not disgusting. And um, I'm very also, I'm also really into the summer favorite, which is this, the Daily Harvest Scoops, which is their plant-based ice cream. Uh, it's a really good, delicious treat. It's obviously gluten and dairy-free because, you know, we got allergies to things. And, uh, a yeah. really good mango and papaya smoothie. You were just saying that you love smoothies. Love smoothies. Love my daily smoothies. But I'm really into their uh, savory stuff. I'm into the artichoke and lemon harvest bowl. They're also just, as a company, they're just mission driven. They're all about leaving. They're all about leaving the earth in a better place than they found it. They focus on increasing biodiversity. They invest in organic farming practices. They're all about reducing food waste. They prioritize recyclable and compostable packaging. Like they really do walk the walk. So- Go to dailyharvest.com and enter the code FOSTER to get up to $40 off your first box. That is the code FOSTER for up to $40 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That is D-A-I-L-Y harvest, H-A-R-V-E-S-T.com. Okay. Aaron and I, we are all about the organic life. Aaron, more than me, I'm coming more on her train. I've recently invested heavily in organic bedding. Save your life. And along with the organic bedding, guess what? You need that organic mattress. It's just- Birch makes an organic, non-toxic mattress made right here in America. Ships right to your door. No contact delivery, free shipping, free returns, 100 night sleep trial. I mean, it's it's- the perfect thing to get. You need your kids need to be sleeping on organic mattresses. You need to be sleeping on organic mattresses. It also has amazing cooling properties. It's made out of organic latex, New Zealand wool, American steel springs. It's the most natural thing possible to to sleep on. You're spending what is it? Half your life in bed. I mean, I spend all, like most of my life in bed. Um, and they are made with premium organic materials, and so you're not going to have any of the harsh off gassing that you may find with other mattresses in a box. Making an amazing Look. choice for all of your, you know, kids, family, everybody. Let's just point out the important, other important thing. They're also very comfortable, very comfortable. You fall asleep easier. I mean, I fell asleep right away when I got one. Cause I just knew that I was in good hands. You know what I mean? Feel more rested. Simon's really into it. It's so funny. Cause so many people are like, I'm so shocked that an organic mattress is like this comfortable and this amazing. It's like, yeah, duh. It's like, it's, of course it is. So if you're looking for a new mattress, it needs to be a Birch organic mattress. Okay. Check out birchliving.com slash foster and check it out. That is birchliving.com slash foster. Check it out. They have a 25 year warranty and you, and you get to try it out for a hundred nights risk free. Now that's wild. Birch is giving us 
$200 off all mattresses and two free eco rest pillows at birchliving.com slash foster. That is $200 off the mattress orders and two free eco rest pillows. Do you know how great having good pillows are? I mean, very important. So I want to know, um, people want to know, um, what are the, like the secret, um, give us names of all your clients. No, um, <laughs> what, um, I will get assassinated. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> what are the, what are the secret procedures that people kind of don't know exist right now? Like Ooh, everybody, everyone's obsessed with like uh, threading, you know, you hear these stories about these, like oh, yeah, all threads. these 22 year old models that all of a sudden have like, you know, suddenly their eyes have like, are like cat eyes. Is it tape? I've heard that there's tape. I've heard that there's like little braids in their hair underneath their hairline. And I've heard that there's like, they're like threads. Like what are the secret procedures? Such a good question. Okay. There are a lot of secret procedures. Um, this is so exciting. <laughs> I know. This is going to be question. everything that people care No one's about. ever asked me this question. <gasps> like ever. Oh, this is a really good question. Okay. So the secret procedures are literally everybody has gotten submental liposuction. Not me. Um, Wait, you're pointing to your face, but we people can only hear you. Where where is this? Oh, sorry, I'm pointing to my face. But um, submental liposuction is um, sucking out the double chin fat. Basically, even people who are extremely skinny suction out the tiniest speck of fat under the chin because it makes their jawline look amazing and all of their angles look perfect. And it gives them like a very skinny neck. You've never mentioned this procedure because maybe you didn't need it. Um, buckle fat pad excision is another secret procedure where people get a little like chisely face look. Explain um, that. Explain that. So buckle fat pad excision is where we take out a very minuscule amount of fat from the mid cheek sulcus. So basically it gives you kind of a model-esque looking, um, kind of Zoolander face. Mm, um, okay. Oh, so it just like creates the illusion of cheekbones. Like it gives you a more exactly. like, wow. Um, suture suspension lifting, which is like the modern generation of thread lifting is a secret procedure. And that can be used to create a little bit of a lift. And that can be used to get a little bit of a cat eye or eyebrow arch or um cheekbone jawline so that does that does not add any volume to the face but it gives um a semi-permanent so it lasts about a year but it gives a little bit of a lifty look to the face and it's um it's called suture suspension lifting it's It's right modern yeah it's basically the modern generation of thread lifting how does it work um we make a needle prick in the face and use a cannula, which is like a stainless steel surgical straw to thread in a barbed surgical suture into the deep plane of the face and kind of lift up the tissues. So kind of the, the younger models who are looking a little contoured kind of thing. So what does it hook to? Like you put in like a string or like a little thing and then what is it Hold um, up. So there are different fascial planes and bone, uh, the periosteum of different bony areas of the face and different fascial structures of the, of the basically the deep tissues of the face. This is so fun. Okay. Tell us another one. Um, a lip lift is a secret procedure. Um, so that's where we hide an incision underneath the nose and we can 
lift the position of the lip to create a little bit more of a slightly pouty lip um, and give a little bit more shape to the lip. I mean, it's actually genius, but is it really a secret? Because I feel like you can't get away from that scar. I mean, maybe, right? Can you really escape that scar? I feel like I've seen people and it's like you see that scar. No one you did. But just I've never it, seen that scar. It's a thing people are doing. Can you get a, can can the scar like go away or it doesn't go you away? You can laser it pretty well. It takes some time, but you you can laser it pretty well. Um, temporal brow lift. This is a good secret procedure. So this is a one centimeter scar hidden in the hairline, and it allows you to lift the lateral eyebrow to create a little bit more of an eyebrow arch just like one or two millimeters of an eyebrow arch. Wait, so I need that. it's good for people who have a flat eyebrow. It just makes it a little bit more feminine looking. Why haven't you told me to do that? I have a low brow. This is the, I'm the perfect candidate for this. Well, let's talk about it. Okay, I mean, so she basically confirmed you need it. I, she, she did. She would have been like, you don't need it. So I need it, right? Yeah, you need it. I didn't say that. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a brow lift. How long does that take? <laughs> do I have to be put under for that or can you just do it quick? We can talk about it later. Okay, we'll talk um, about it. You could do it, yeah. Um, so those are like some really nice secret procedures. Another nice one is ALAR-based reduction. So these are all little, tiny, very secret procedures. But um, ALAR-based reduction is when you make the nose one to two millimeters narrower. So it's very subtle, but you can hide the scars right inside the base of the nose, and you just take out a tiny little wedge, and it's very common in people who have a slightly wide nose. Wow. Um, and you just make it a little narrower. So it's like an alternative to a nose job. If you, if someone can yeah. do, oh, wow. That's very cool. Wow. Look at all these hacks. And, then, and, and basically, you know, facial optimization with fillers is pretty much no longer a secret, but you can do so much with injectable fillers. It is not like what people think of fillers where you can make fillers look incredibly structural. And I think that fillers have basically been mismarketed. So they, injectable fillers are the ultimate secret procedure because when you say the word fillers, everyone thinks of you know, the pillow face filter and the big puffy chipmunk cheeks and huge, horrible lips. But the use of injectable fillers in a surgical and structural manner is the next generation of what plastic surgery is going to be in the future. But we can build better bone structure, create lift of different areas, and we can inject fillers as if they're bone, as if they're muscle, as if they're soft tissue. We can like recreate cartilage. We can, we can inject them in many different ways. So you can do basically anything and make the shape of the face totally different. So you, do you, you think we're there make, now or we're heading to that? You can no, do that. You can do that now. Like, and basically when I'm doing a global facial optimization, that's a combination of surgical and non-surgical techniques. I'm using fillers to do that stuff. You know so what would have been a fun game? I keep trying to talk. If she do would, you. if she would ana- analyze us on, on, on the air. Oh. oh, you guys are perfect. We're not doing that game. Oh, we would oh. do it except we're perfect. So we can't. Oh yeah. Wait. So Laura, would you say that the bubble is going to burst on the like fake looking faces and that it's going to kind of skew more natural? Absolutely. People are totally done with the fake look. The overfilled faces are, 
a thing of the past. I think COVID and this year in quarantine has made people realize that, you know, a lot of bad stuff happened this year and we're all feeling more restrained. And I think that there's been this return to more important stuff. We want to, we, it's not about peacock feathers anymore. It's about looking normal. We want to feel good and confident. We're always going to want to feel like our best selves, but I think people want to feel like a normal best self. A lot of people wanted to know about what is the procedure that is giving people this fake look of the no waist, the big butt, those like accentuated hips. Fat transfers. Is that all just like lipo and what is that? Yeah, that's um, autologous fat transfer to the buttocks or AKA Brazilian butt lift. So it's just taking the fat out of the waist to give you that small weight, to give you the small like cinched, what do you call it? Snatched, snatched waist. Snatched, who says snatched, a cinched waist? I think snatched is like a term for the the young kids are saying snatched. I don't think so. What? Montana's confirming it. Thank you. It's called snatched, Darren. You're not young, so that's why you didn't know. I'm younger than you. Okay. So what else? So it's fat transfer. Right. It's fat transfer. Oh, uh, people want to know, what do you do for stretch marks? Laser? Those seem kind of permanent. There's nothing to do for stretch marks. It's like a run in a stocking. You can do laser if they're red, but they're never really going to go away. Oh, this is a good one for Aaron. How to reduce redness to my face. Yeah, I used to have real rosacea, but I, I, th- I think it's better now. Yeah, you can do um, vascular reduction lasers like V-beam. Okay, okay, okay. A lot of moms wanted to know, like, what do you do for the tummy? The tummy never goes, I mean, I will say mine, I've never touched, well, I've never done anything to my body. Don't, I've talk, never, don't talk about your stomach. You just no, have but I've had two tiny, children, you, I gained 60. No one wants to hear about your two children and your 12-inch waist, okay? No, I work out. No, that's not why. You just have a very small waist. But I do want to know on this question, on the question, is that the tummy tuck, the scar on the tummy tuck is pretty fucked up, huh? Like there's no way to avoid that. And it looks encaved. I feel like tummy tucks you can spot like a million miles away. Maybe not yours, but. There's not a good way to get around an abdominoplasty or tummy tuck. If you, most women who've had children will get a little separation of their ab muscles. And the best way to solve that is with the tummy tuck. And you always, I but never why does understand. It look so encased? I never understand why you have to pull it down. I would always want to pull it up. Like anytime I'm looking in the mirror at my stomach and I'm like wanting it to look better, I hold it up and I go, oh, I want it to look like that. I would never pull it down. Yeah. So most people will get laxity of the lower abdomen after they have kids because the belly gets poofed out. And most people hold their children below the belly button. Right. So you just pull that bottom part out. But I if think you they look weird, if I, you have like a half moon, like I have a half moon belly button, you know, like goes this way. So if I pull it down, wouldn't it look really weird? We make the belly. No, it looks good. Oh. Hers, hers look good. Okay. Maybe I'm one fine, of the I'll last questions. Too. Cellulite. What the hell? How come you can make a face look like a completely different face, but you cannot get rid of cellulite? Stop eating cheese. Cellulite is tricky. So we can do a few things for cellulite. There's a new experimental medicine out there for cellulite that is so-so. And there is a tried and true drug for cellulite um, called Sculptra that builds collagen. And that looks very good, although um, it takes a little bit of time to work. It basically builds collagen um, and gives you a nice smoothness. So that's the one I prefer. By the way, what do you think about drinking collagen, like powdered oh. collagen? Yeah. So actually a new study recently came out that looked at 
19 randomized controlled studies, and it was a big meta-analysis. So over 1,100 patients were analyzed aged 20 to 70. And um, in this big meta-analysis, it uh, determined that eating um, or ingesting ingestible collagen for 90 days improved the look of skin elasticity, hydration, and wrinkles. I knew it. I knew it. I'm pushing it forward. The use of ingestible collagen. And that's why we came out with our collagen booster hearts. It's like our new gummy nutraceuticals. Ooh, that's exciting. So I'm going to send you guys some. Please do. Guys, I've been drinking collagen for like four years. I'm 900 years old. Everyone's like, oh, your body metabolizes it. You're not. And I'm telling guys, I'm telling you, it works. It works. It works. And now it's confirmed that it works. Yeah. Well, so for the longest time, doctors, including me, were like, it's bogus. You're metabolizing it. But like, finally, the data is supporting the use of ingestible collagen. Wow. Um, Okay. Can we talk really quickly? I know we're wrapping this up, but a lot of people really just had questions about the cost. Insurance never covers anything, right? This is all elective. Well, if you lie and you say you have a broken nose, I know people that have done that. Yeah, no. So elective, so plastic surgery is cosmetic. So it's all elective. So, so this stuff is very expensive. Are there, are there payment plans for people? Cause like, let's just be real. If I, if somebody walked into, I won't say your office, I won't give away any of your prices, but if somebody walked into somebody's office, any of these LA people and says, you know, I want inject, injections here and a couple little zhuzhis, it could be $11,000. Like these things are, are expensive treatments depending on where you go and the doctor. Most people can't afford that. Are there like, I don't know. Do you offer any payment plans or anything? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for, no, we try to be transparent and that's totally fine. But, um, so for, I think what you should do if you're thinking about any plastic surgery services is you should contact the office that you're going to. Any office should give you, um, some ballpark ideas and price ranges of the services that you're thinking about. So you should definitely have an idea before you go in of the prices of the procedures that you're looking at so that you're well prepared. And if somebody doesn't want to give you the prices in advance, that's not good. Um, Red flag. Then you won't know what you're going into. So um, that's the first thing. Um, in terms of um, payment and budgeting and things like that, you know, most people will accept you know, a variety of forms of payment. There are things like plastic surgery financing services. So some people will work with financing services like um, uh, private third-party organizations or um, things like that. Um, But, you know, I think this is something that people should think about so that they can be responsible. Like this should be part of your elective budget. This should be something that you think about um, as part of your as part of your elective stuff. You know, obviously you want to you want to make sure you're taking care of your whole life. What is the most requested thing you get? Um, surgically, facelift, eyelid surgery, breast augmentation, and non-surgically facial optimizations, which ends up being like facial contouring of the cheekbone and jawline and non-surgical rhinoplasty and tear trough. Mm, I thought you were going to say like lip filler or something. Interesting. Wow. I feel like everyone's obsessed with you. They're going to just be more obsessed with you now. I, to this day, get calls from people being like, can you get me in? I'm like, leave me alone. I'm not getting you in. Get on a wait list. 
I'm not going to bother you with that. Although you let me come in. You, you brought well, me in. You came in. You piggybacked with me. You, you, yeah, didn't, you weren't you, invited. You, you just, called me and we, I was packing for the airport in New York. And you said, Aaron, I'm at Laura Devkins. She's willing to see you. Oh, yes. Get here now. And I was like, but I'm packing for the airport. You go bring your suitcase with you. And I did. And I got on that plane looking like a different person. You really did. In the best way possible. But you needed it because you were a little dark, dark circly under the eyes. Thank you. All right, um, well, okay. Thank you so much, Laura. This is awesome. People are going to love this. Thank you guys so much. This Thank was you. really fun. I'm so excited for so everything good. you're doing. Thank you. All right. We love you. All right. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you like this podcast, leave a rating and review. This podcast is executive produced by... Can you not use that voice? I'm sorry. I'm trying to sound... Yeah, but you don't need to make it sexy. This podcast is executive produced by... Can you, do you have a normal voice? Yeah. Aaron Foster, Sarah Foster, and Allison Bresnick. Okay, I'll take over. Our, Our associate, associate producer is Montana McBearney. Our audio engineer is Josh Windish. This show is hosted by Simplecast. See, that didn't sound nice. That sounded great. <laughs>